0: You are, uh, are wondering why Donald Trump is here on Easter. <laughs> Some might even think it's blasphemous, but I, for one, am thankful for him because he makes me appreciate having a shaved head. <laughs> the reason that particular episode, which was last Sunday night, admittedly we watch it from time to time, um, was there are two stark... Different philosophies of life represented in that particular episode, in particular the firing of of um, Tion Watkins. For those of you who aren't familiar with the show, I realize most of you are familiar at least with Donald Trump, but he has a show in which people compete for the top position. And uh, on other shows, when it was just normal people, that top person was given a position in one of his companies. This was, however, Celebrity Apprentice, which means that celebrities compete with one another doing different marketing ventures and so forth for the top, and if you win, then you get to send money to your favorite charity. Two weeks ago, Dennis Rodman got fired, that icon of American virtue. Definitely needs the Lord, as all of us need the Lord, but uh, when I watched him get fired, I thought, wow, this man just needs Jesus to come and clean up his life and feel the resurrection power. But this last one caught my attention because both teams lost, which meant that both teams had to come back in, and as Donald Trump said, I'm going to fire two people, one from each team, and the one team that you just saw... They actually did well together. They didn't produce the desired result, but they worked well together, and each team member pulled their part of the load. And so the project manager, who was Melissa Rivers, uh, didn't want to drag someone in uh, against their will, and so she asked for volunteers. And Tian Watkins volunteered to come back into the boardroom, risking being fired herself. And as a result of that, because she volunteered to stand next to her project manager, she was fired. Which is why everybody's surprised, because she volunteered to be back there. And that's where Trump says two times, never volunteer for execution. Never volunteer for execution. It's better just to sit there, not do anything, and not step up to the plate. We might call that the gospel according to Donald Trump. Or we might, as I think I would argue, that is the hidden unconscious philosophy of most of the people in the world. That is... When it comes to business and it comes to life, make sure you're number one. That is, uh, make sure you put yourself out there, you promote yourself, you preserve yourself. That is the philosophy of life that most live by. We would never state it that way because we don't like to be seen as selfish. But nevertheless, we rush to get in line in front of people, try to beat people out in traffic, rush to the ticket office to get tickets while they're still there to beat other people out, or we seek promotions oftentimes at the demise of, of our of our fellow associates. Is there is this impulse in the human spirit to get ahead of the next guy, and that is, that is the philosophy of Donald Trump. That is a philosophy by which the world lives. That is, preserve the self, promote your, the self, and never, under any circumstances, risk your life for another. Never volunteer for execution. Well, apparently, Jesus of Nazareth did not get Donald Trump's memo because he volunteered... For execution, We are here this morning, Easter morning, celebrating over 2,000 years of Easter mornings, which is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The grave couldn't hold Him. The Spirit of God raised Him from the dead. It has become and is the wellspring of all new life. And someday when there is a new heavens and a new earth, it will all come back to this one place, which is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We celebrate it. It's the reason we know we're forgiven. It's the reason that we know we have hope. And all of it because Jesus volunteered for execution. Because Jesus didn't subscribe to the gospel according to Trump or the gospel according to the world. He embodied a different principle of life. And it's a principle that the Apostle Paul spoke of who is a staunch follower of Jesus and also a witness to his resurrected glory in Philippians chapter 2. Now, we as a congregation looked at the first part of um, this section in chapter 2 last week, and I'm going to kind of delve back into it because I realize most of you weren't here last week. But then I want to bring it forward into the resurrection. And I want you to notice as I read this, Philippians 2 verses 3 through 11, I want you to notice how untrumpy it is. Paul, giving instructions to the early believers in the town of Philippi, which is found still in the the modern nation of Greece, he writes this. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Right there, if you follow that, you would be fired in that boardroom as well. Verse 4, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he goes on to give us an attitude check and an attitude example. And the supreme example of humbling oneself for the sake of another is none other than Jesus Himself. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, if you're in doubt as to whether the Bible teaches that Christ is indeed divine, let your suspicions rest with this verse along with many others. That Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped at, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's that's Good Friday. As I mentioned last week, what's in... Envisioned here is the greatest humiliation of all times. From sovereign, um, divine to slave who dies on a cross. That is to say, Jesus, though He existed in the form of God, He humbled Himself, took on the form of a man, human flesh. He obeyed the word of His Father, the desire of His Father, and He offered His life on the cross. That is, Jesus, as God, volunteered for execution. That is the heart of God in the Scripture. If all you hear is judgment, 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 remember that God Himself volunteered for execution to come down the farthest distance from divinity to humanity to serve us, to serve people who don't deserve it. I know I don't deserve it. Walking through the stations of the cross, got to that one right there and wrote my sins out and realized I didn't deserve it. That was Good Friday. We have the stations of the cross thing. I know I don't deserve it. And yet God saw fit to volunteer for execution on my behalf. That is, He took my guilt and suffered for it. He took my execution and was executed for it. On a Good Friday, I gave thanks to Jesus for absorbing the wrath of God meant for me. Because God volunteered for execution. That's the heart of the Gospel. Well, you might ask the question, Well, was Jesus foolish? I mean, if He was sitting in the courtroom or the boardroom Donald Trump, of course, He would have been fired. and He would have been considered foolish for not putting Himself first. But that's not the way it works in the Kingdom of God. If you look at what the rest of the passage says after the statement even death on a cross you realize that while it may have been foolish in trump's eyes in god the father's eyes it resulted in the greatest promotion of all times this is what it says continuing on in verse 9 right after even death on the cross it says therefore god exalted him let's pause here for a moment the word exalted implicitly brings in resurrection He's dead on the cross at the end of verse 8. And then He's exalted, which means God raises Him from the dead in newness of life, incorruptible life, exalted, glorified life. And He exalts Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God looked at God the Son who self-humiliated himself, voluntarily taking execution, being fired for our sake. He looked at him with great pleasure. My son has humbled himself, volunteered for execution. And on the basis of that, God the Father then highly exalts him to the highest position in heaven and on earth. And it's from the horizon of Of eternity future to the horizon of eternity past, there will be no one who has the supreme position more than Jesus. He is promoted to the highest place because He volunteered for execution. The highest place, and He's given the highest name. The highest place is seen in the fact that He is offered and acknowledged in universal worship. He says there that every knee will bow. That is, every knee. Everyone, everywhere, will acknowledge at some point that Jesus is the sovereign Lord, King of heaven and earth. Everywhere. That is, at some point, believers, agnostics, people who don't know what they believe, atheists who say there is no God, and people from every other faith around the globe, At some point in the distant future, or maybe the near future, all of their knees will bow. And all of them in the end will become theists. Some gladly, and some reluctantly. Because they will bow the knee and acknowledge with confession of lips that Jesus is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Those in heaven, that is, all celestial beings will, if you will, they're spiritual, so I don't know that they have actual knees, but they will kneel before Him in acknowledgement of His supremacy. On earth, every knee on earth, tongue on earth, all humanity, every sentient moral being will bow their knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. And even those in the underworld, whether that's demons or unbelieving dead, will bow the knee to Jesus. He is offered the highest place of universal worship by everyone, everywhere. That's the result of Jesus volunteering for execution. He's raised and exalted, given the highest place of universal worship. Not only so, but it says that He's given a name above every name. That name that's above every name, my friend, is, is not Jesus. That was His earthly name. In the mind of Paul, in the mind of almost every Jew who is a practicing Jew, there is one name that is supreme above all others. And that is the sacred name by which God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses came to God burning bush, God summoned him and he said, "Take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground." And Moses commissioned by God at that point, "You go back down into Egypt and you lead my people out." And Moses says, "Well, who should I say sent me? What's your name?" And God says, "I am you tell them the I Am sent you. That is the ever-living I Am. It's a word of, of living being. The ever-living, all-sovereign deliver. You tell them the I Am sent you. For thousands of years, when that word, the translated I Am, is read in Jewish circles in the Old Testament, they replace it with another word because they consider it so sacred and so holy that it's not even to be uttered by sinful tongue. So they will replace it with the word Adonai which is translated Lord. And the English translations follow that Jewish tradition, which is why in the Old Testament you'll read Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, because they keep sacred the sacred name of God. And here in this particular passage, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. That He has given the sacred name of God, the name above every name. So you see, what is envisioned here is because Jesus, though he existed in the form of God, he volunteered for execution. God, as a result, then resurrected him, highly exalted him, giving him the place of supreme universal worship and the sacred name of the I Am. That's what happens when someone volunteers for execution. Now that I believe, my friends, brothers and sisters, that truth It's the heart of God, the heart of the gospel. That God in his infinite grace and mercy volunteered to be executed on our behalf. And then was raised and exalted and given the highest place as the sovereign Lord of heaven, both crucified Savior and sovereign Lord. That is the essential truth of the gospel. And it is both a truth to believe and it is a path to follow. A truth to believe and a path to follow. I don't know how else to put it, but in the Scripture, what you do with that simple message that God in His grace volunteered for execution on your behalf as a substitute for you. He was crucified for you, not for Him. And then exalted and risen, and He is the King to whom all adoration, praise, and submission is due. What you do with that message determines your eternal future according to the scripture. Which is why God calls people in every place all around the globe to believe this. To believe what He has done. God did what we could not do for ourselves. God volunteered for it. He took our execution. And the rest of the scripture says, teaches us and calls us to depend upon Him and trust in Him. In economic to hard times, God says, You trust in me as your fortress. You trust in Me as your refuge. I will be your protector. I will be your provider. And at the right time, I will bring you home. Trust in Me. That's why trust and faith are so integral to the the Scriptures. God calls us to humble ourselves and trust in Him. The one who volunteered for execution was raised and exalted to the highest place. To surrender, to surrender that self-willed spirit that says, I'm going to think what I want, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to live how I want. And instead to come humbly and say, I accept, I accept with my heart that this is indeed true. Brother, sister, friend, that is what it means to be a Christian. It's a fully dependent person on the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what it means. And if that happens, if the Spirit of God actually opens your heart and you believe that is true and you recognize and you bow before the ocean of God's grace realizing, I can't believe you did this for me, then it will radically change your life. And that's the second part of this. This is also a path to follow. Because Jesus sets for us an example. You notice that's how Paul uses it. Have this same mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're to think and act like Him. So if He volunteered for execution and humbled Himself to wash the feet of sinners and then was resurrected and exalted, it stands to reason that we also are called to volunteer for execution. And you look at the call of Jesus on the life of the Christian, that's exactly what it is. When the disciples, when he wanted to teach, Jesus wanted to teach a lesson on discipleship, what did he say? He said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself. Deny that self-willed spirit that wants to do what you want to do at the expense of others. You deny that part of you. That is volunteering for execution. Take up your cross daily, he says. That's an instrument of execution. Take it up daily. In other words, each day we resolve, by the grace of God, to volunteer for execution. He goes on to say, the one who tries to save his life, to try to acquire the wealth and get ahead in this world, like on The Apprentice, the one who tries to save his life will in the end lose it, but the one who loses his life, that his volunteers for execution each day will save it for what is it profit a man to gain the whole world to own the Trump Plaza and lose your own soul that's Jesus is calling each of us if you're a true believer that's that's part of what it means to be a Christian is it's humbly placing yourself in a subordinate position and considering the interest of others above yourselves that's the principle of biblical love, of sacrificial love, hum- humility before others, and considering their interests above your own, just as Jesus considered ours above his own life. That's, that's what he calls us to. And you know what? The truth of the matter is there is a great boardroom coming. It's not going to be a boardroom. It's going to be a courtroom. And Jesus is going to gather together all, all humanity, and he's going to look at the evidence of their lives. Only it's not going to be Donald Trump sitting in that big chair. It's going to be the resurrected, almighty, sovereign Jesus before whom all knees bow and every tongue confesses the one who bears the great name of I Am. And He's going to look at the evidence of our lives. Did we in fact follow Him or did we not? To some who chose to follow Him and subordinate themselves and humble themselves in love to consider the interests of their wives, and their children, their friends, their co workers, their bosses, their families, better than their own interests, he's going to say, I was hungry and you fed me because you watched out for my interest. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was, a, I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and I was in prison and you looked after me because you, because of the grace that I gave you. You looked after my interests more than your own. And he'll say, Enter into my joy. That is, be promoted. Resurrection, exaltation, and glory. But to the others, he will say something quite different. He will say, I was hungry, and you didn't feed me because you were looking out for your own interest. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me to drink because you were looking out for your own interest. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in because you were looking out for your own interest. I was naked and you never clothed me because you didn't take interest in my need. I was sick and I was in prison and you never looked after or visited me. And then the I am, Jesus, is going to say, depart from me. That's like saying, you're fired. Depart into eternal fire. That's quite literal firing. You might say, man, that seems harsh. But not from the lips of one who volunteered to be executed on your behalf. The one who loved enough to, though he existed in the form of God, became nothing, taking on the form of a slave and a man, obe- obeyed, humbled himself, died on a cross. That's the way he lived and that's how he calls us to live. That's, that's the path of life for the Christian. You might... Think I can't do that, or think I'm not going to do that, but that is that is the evidence of a true Christian life. Is that we indeed volunteer for execution each day? We take up our cross and we follow. We think of others as more important than ourselves. So here you have the truth to embrace, and also a path to follow. Now, I recognize there are some here who, who know you don't believe. You're maybe agnostic. I don't know what's true. I was just. Con- I would, I would urge you to at least consider the Scriptures, begin studying the Scriptures. If you have questions, we, the pastors or others around, would love to answer your questions as best as we are able. I don't have all the answers. No one does. But I know the one who does. And I trust Him. That's the bottom line, is I trust Him. And I'm asking you on the basis of the Scripture, on the basis of a God who has a heart that's so deep, I'm asking you to trust Him as well. So if that's you, I would invite you to just talk to somebody because eternity stands in the balances between you getting the fact that God volunteered for execution on your behalf. And then he was raised and glorified. And he promises that all who follow him, all who trust and follow him, that if we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. If we lose our lives for his name's sake, we will find our lives. That is, there's resurrection. He will call us to life even after we die. Lord, I I ask in these moments, final moments of worship, that You would humble our hearts and that Your Spirit, who alone, can really convince us of the truth. That the best of human arguments for the existence of God, for the historicity of the Gospel, for the fact that Jesus actually did exist on the earth, do not in the end convince it is Your Spirit that takes the Word, and opens the window and allows us to see that, God, you are so loving and so gracious. And you were holding out your hand saying, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I pray indeed, Lord God, that some would do that this morning. In the name of Jesus.